one of the most incredible things about you as a person, one of the most amazing things about you as a person is that God has given you the ability to move forward. As a matter of fact, there's almost something instinctive about it. There's something at a base level of you that always pushes for the next thing, is always looking for the next thing, always wants to move to something new, right? And all the mothers in this room, right, that is not lost on you, right? Because you've experienced this firsthand with your children, right? As a matter of fact, the first major forward movement that your child did into life puts you into hours of painful labor, right? I know I'm not mentioning anything that you don't clearly recall, but you notice that happened, and then there was the forward movement towards crawling, and then there was the forward movement towards walking, and then climbing the drapes and getting into all sorts of trouble, and you know Hershey syrup all over the kitchen floor. You remember all of that, right? But there was all of this. There was something always moving, always moving to the next thing. After a while, it was school, and after school, it was junior high, and after junior high, it was high school, right? And we start to really come online with that experience because we remember what that was like as we continue to move from one goal to the next goal. We graduated this, we experienced this, we applied for this, we were accepted into this. And there was always this forward movement, always pushing, always pushing forward, forward. And this is the way that God designed us. And really something that, as I said, is instinctive and we just do it. But I don't know if you're familiar with this, if you've seen this in your life. I've certainly seen this a lot sometimes looking at where I've been in my personal journey, and then also now with all the marriage coaching that I do, I see a lot of times with folks in my office, that sometimes we get stuck and we have a hard time moving forward. It's almost as though even, even despite our best intentions, even despite our desire to really move to the next thing, we just, it's almost like we can't. It's like we're stuck. We're stuck someplace that is short of where we would like to be. It's short of where we feel we should be. It's like we feel like we should be moving faster and we should be moving farther, but we just can't. And I know there are the, you know, there are the easy answers to that. I mean, obviously, if you're dealing with a person who's just making stupid choices and bad decisions and they know that they're doing it, but they're being stubborn and difficult, well, then obviously that person's not moving forward. But I don't think that's lost on anybody why that person is stuck but let's just be honest here. I think where we get confused is when it's either us or it's somebody that we love, and it is a person that means well, and they want to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, they're listening to any voice they can hear. They want anybody to tell them, how can I get past this? How can I move forward? And they're really searching for answers, and they want those answers. It's not stubbornness or a will issue. The problem is, despite all their attempts to try, despite all their ability to try to get online with what's going wrong in their life, they're just flat out stuck. What about that person? What's broken for that person? Why can they not move forward in relationships? Why can they not move forward with their occupation? Why can they not move forward with their personal life? And I don't know that there's just one answer, but I want to give you this morning what I think is the most probable answer. I want to give you what I think is the number one reason that well-intentioned, good people get stuck. Right, And we want to go to the scriptures to get answers because in the Bible, uh, we get a really clear view from the Apostle Paul. In the book of Philippians, we've been spending our time in this series in Philippians looking at God's desire for us to be happy, God's path for us to be happy. I do hear a lot of people say, well, I just think God wants me to be happy, and so that means I get to do whatever I want to do. It means, you know, if I have to leave my spouse to be happy, whatever. If I have to be mean to people, whatever. You know, God, obviously, that is not God's plan for us. God wants us to be happy in the path that he has chosen for us. He wants us to be successful in the way that he's chosen for us to be successful. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. So I want to take you to Philippians chapter 3, 
And in this, Paul is talking about how he is finding happiness, how he is finding success in his life, right? He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And then he says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. He's saying, I'm not perfect, but I focus on this one thing. Now think about this. Paul is, he is the brilliant mind that, that, that through God, that God through him penned the majority of the New Testament, his ability to break down the difference between trying to live up to standards that we'll never be able to live up to and experiencing God's grace, his ability to help us understand the nature of God's redemptive purpose in our life, all that, he's just, he's so brilliant. And God used him as this incredible tool to, to, to talk to us about how God functions in a new relationship now that he has paid for the things that we've done wrong. And We've got this incredible mind who says, I focus on this one thing. And you just want to go, Paul, you got, you got so much going on. You're so, you're so brilliant. You're so wise. You only focus on one thing. And Paul says, yes, I'm focused on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Of all the things Paul could have focused on. He says, I'm focused on this thing. This is what's going to get me where God wants me to be. This is what's going to put me on the path and the future that God has designed for me. This is what's going to make me successful. This is what's going to make me happy is to do what? To forget what's behind me and to look at what's ahead of me. Paul's giving us a roadmap for how to be happy in life. He's giving us a roadmap for how to be successful. And we have very limited time this morning. I just want to give you three major realizations that if the past has got you stuck these three major realizations will get you unstuck, okay? We're going to talk about them really quickly and we'll be done. Here's the first one. My past, Paul says, creates distraction and diversion. My, my past creates a distraction and a diversion. Paul says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. I got to forget it because it creates distraction, slows me down and creates diversion, takes me off path. I want to give you a a working definition of distraction we're going to use for today, right? A distraction is a force that robs me of my full potential to move forward by redirecting my attention. It robs me of my full capacity to move forward by redirecting my attention. And I understand this very clearly because every time I drive down Rock Road and past Central and the Krispy Kreme's red sign is on that says hot donuts, right? That, that is exactly, it is a force that, ina- that acts upon me, that robs me of my full c- potential to move down Rock Road by distracting my attention, right? So maybe, maybe you can relate to that. I mean, nobody can resist hot donuts, but that's beside the point. But I think it's interesting, maybe as a, as a poster child for ADHD and also as the parent of young children, I think I could write the book on distraction. Just seems like sometimes, no matter how simple a task is that you need to perform, no matter how basic something is that you need to do, Something in the background making noise, something in the background that just keeps becoming that distraction for you, keeps you from being able to do something simple. Like, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of go to a place and tell you how ADD I am. Hopefully I have some, some brothers and sisters in this room, but we'll see, right? I, I, I'll get a book, right? Now, this won't be a novel or something. This will be like a, 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 you know, a self-help book, a, a, a textbook, something where you're really going deep, you know, and it requires your full attention, right? And you're trying to read, read the book, but there's something in the room that's making noise, that's being a distraction over and over again. It's the same sort of noises. And you find that you are reading the same sentence at the beginning of the same page paragraph over and over and over again. Do I have a witness? Does that ever happen to you? Right? Oh, good. See, this is healing for both of us because now we, okay, we're on the same page. That's really good, right? 
but just to go to a very, I hope you'll go to this very vulnerable place with me because I think this is hard for all of us. How many of us get distracted from doing things in our life that should be really simple because the voices of the past are so loud and so distracting that we just don't seem to make it? It's like going to a job interview and you know you've got this, right? You have the skills, you have the qualifications, you interview well, you know that. You've got everything going for you and you walk into that interview and it should be simple. But in the back of your head is this voice that says you'll never be good enough. They won't want you to have this job. You're never going to move forward. You're never going to amount to anything. And those voices are so loud and so repetitive that you can't even do something that should be simple because it's such a distraction. Or maybe, and, and I think what I'm getting ready to say, maybe ladies, this, this is something that maybe more of you would understand than the guys in the room, but something as simple as getting dressed in the morning, picking out clothes and, 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 and getting put together for the day, but there are those voices in the back of your head that say you're not beautiful, you're, you're, you're ugly, you're unattractive, and you hear those voices over and over and over again, and it's so distracting that it almost makes it difficult just to even get dressed. And we have these voices in the back of our head and they, they're, they're things we've heard before and things that hurtful people have said to us or, or, or messages that we've somehow digested and become, they've become part of who we are. And at the end of the day, we know that there are such basic, simple things that we need to be able to do to move forward and to experience new life, but we can't because there's this distracting, negative voice in the back of our head that just keeps pounding us with these things that, for one thing, aren't true and, for another thing, keep us from being able to accomplish what we need to be able to accomplish. And Paul says, enough of that. I have to forget the past. It's a distraction. It slows me down. And in Hebrews 12, 1, Paul says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. In my work with couples especially, I notice, um, and maybe it's just because I'm a very visual person, but I notice a lot of times people walk into my office to sit down and talk with me, and it's like they are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. It's like they're kind of slumped down, and it's like, it's too heavy for me. I'm carrying something that's just too heavy for me. And a lot of times, it is the weight of the past. I've been through these things. I've been hurt before. I've gone through so much, Jonathan. You don't know what I've lived through, and it's just a huge weight on me. It's those negative voices. They distract me from being able to do simple things, and I just can't put it together. And Paul is saying, it's time to take the weight off your shoulders. You can't change the past. Paul is saying, it's time to be able to move beyond that. And then I said, it was not just a distraction. It says it's a diversion, right? And a diversion for today's purposes, we're going to call a diversion anything that threatens to take you in the wrong direction. So this is a force that acts upon you that takes you in the wrong direction. And I've met people who are diverted for two different reasons. I mean, I think some people are diverted because of the success of their past. I don't know if you've met someone like this. This is the kind of person that's always giving you their resume. You know, they want you to know what they've done well in the past, what they've been sex successful well in the past. They want to tell you about high school. You, you know somebody who's stuck in high school? They're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's great that you do whatever you do. You want to talk about the prom, right? Remember how our lockers were next to each other when we were in high school? That was so much fun. And, and you know, I've got all my pictures from when we were going to the junior-senior thing. And you want to go, that's been 15 years ago. Have, have you done anything since then, right? But it's that I'm stuck in the success of the past. And a lot of times people get this way in business. Maybe if you're a business person here, you know how somebody continues to do business the old way. But it's just because they were successful with that in the past and they're diverted, right? They cannot go down the path of the future because it doesn't look like what they were successful with in the past. They're sticking with that, right? 
Why would we need email for business? We have fax machines, right? Why, 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 would, you, why would you need the internet, right? We've got the phone, right? Why, the, 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 the little personal calculator is going to be bigger than the personal computer ever dreamed of being. I mean, look on the internet. The stories are there of people who had the money to fund the projects. They had the ability to stand behind the new technology, but they said, nah, the old technology is good enough. And some of us are stuck in that pattern in life. Something worked for us in the past, and we have not even been able to open our mind to the new future because it just worked before, and we assume it'll work in the, in the future. But I think, truthfully, if you want to know my honest opinion, I think that's a small percentage of us. I think the bigger percentage of us are people who have been diverted by past hurts, Somebody has failed us. We failed them. We, we weren't a success at something. Somebody else was hurtful to us. We experienced pain, right? And we are locked into the history of that. We're locked into the past. And just as the person who is diverted by past success projects his past success on the future, I know that my future is going to look like the past. I can take the success from the past and project it onto the future. The person who's stuck in the pain and the hurt and the failure of the past does the same thing. They take the pain and the hurt and the failure from the past, and they assume that tomorrow's going to look just like that. And they make decisions based off of that. Just, just as the person who says, my, my future's going to look the same as my success in the past did, so they end up on this weird path trying to find their past. The same thing happens with the person who believes the future's going to look like the pain and the hurt and the difficulty th that they went through in the past. Their diversion is trying to avoid that. And in the meantime, nobody gets to look straight ahead at the future that God has designed for them. It's diverting. It takes us in the wrong direction. But part of life is newness, Right? All you have to do is uh, visit a family member who's just had a child and walk through that maternity ward and sense the, the celebration and the, the, just the, the, the incredible feeling in the air that comes from all the newness that is there. I mean, it's, it's springtime, right? Lord, please let it be springtime. Uh, anytime you would like to send them warm weather with the springtime, we'll take it, you know. But uh, part of springtime is all the newness, right? And we need that. We need a newness to our life, right? Even the Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. There is part of life that is about renewal, but you can mark it down. New ways of living never come from old ways of thinking. New ways of living never come from old ways of thinking. So we have to let go of the past. Paul says, I'm letting go of the past and I'm pressing towards the future. So why is that so important? Well, Paul gives us this in the second realization I want to give you, and that is that my future requires my full attention. Paul said, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, and he says, I press on to reach the end of the race. And that word press on is a Greek word that means I strain my muscle until there's nothing left to give. I push until there's nothing left of me to push. I'm straining forward so hard to reach what God has for me. In the story of, we talked a little bit last week about the story of Joseph, and you may recall, uh, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and then he ended up really just being a very successful person, working his way up in, as a servant in, a, in, in the house of, a, of a, a wealthy person, and then that wealthy person's wife accused him of raping her. He ended up, Joseph ended up in prison, even though he hadn't done anything wrong. He ended up forgotten by people who should have remembered him, but eventually God elevated him to a place of supreme importance. Joseph was in charge of pretty much everything. He was a head of state in Egypt. And what we didn't talk about last week is, at a certain point, Joseph's brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery, show up in Egypt begging for food. Now, they don't know they're going to end up begging for food from their brother, but that's what ends up happening. And you think about, Joseph could have then put them in prison. He could have killed them. He could have harmed them. He really had, he, he could have done anything, and nobody would have cared. 
but instead he accepted them back. He forgave them. He loved on them, right? And he asked them to come and live in Egypt so he could take care of them. And he said, bring, your, bring dad, bring dad along, and, and, and I'll take care of him too. And so they ended up together, all of them in Egypt, right? But then Joseph's dad dies, right? So you think about what you would be thinking if you were one of the brothers, right? You'd be thinking, uh-oh, right? We've been having this lovely kumbaya family circle thing going on here for a little while, but now dad is dead, right? He's the reason that he hasn't done anything to us yet. So now that dad is dead, Joseph is going to kill us, right? So they, they come to Joseph and they say, hey, man, we were having a discussion with our dad before he died. Didn't happen, but they said it did. We were having this discussion with dad before he died, and dad just said how important it was to him that you not kill us, right? or hurt us, or put us in jail, or do anything really mean to us, and we just wanted to make sure you're on the same page with that, since that was dad's dying wish, and so forth, right, and uh, Joseph said this, he said, I'm not God, I'm not here to punish you, God, God is going to take care of things, you intended this to harm me, but God intended it for good, but then here's what I love, he switches the subject, and he says, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. This is what I love about this. And this is what you got to get when you leave here, okay? Joseph said, I'm too busy for that. I got too much going on. I got too many awesome opportunities in my life to come after you. I got too much awesome things that God has placed in my path to try to get revenge on you guys. That's, that's beneath the future God has given me. And my future requires all of my attention. God brought me here to save people's lives. That's just really a big deal. And I got a lot of plates spinning in the air. So I don't have time to come chasing after you guys. I wouldn't anyway, but I'm just too busy for that. And there's some of us that have to start talking to our past to say, I'm too busy for the shame. I'm too busy for the gift. I'm too busy for the revenge. I'm too busy trying to get, I'm too busy to try to get your approval anymore. I'm, true, I'm too busy to try to keep myself from being hurt the way that I was hurt before. I got more invested in my future than I do in my past. It's time to walk on. Wouldn't you like to go back, if you could, wouldn't you like to go back and have a discussion with yourself a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, a couple decades, and encourage yourself to pay more attention to your future? I know I would. I'd love to go back and have a talk with Jonathan back when I was in college in Florida, you know, 10 years ago, and remind him that GPA is, you know, important. <laughs> Crack a book every once in a while, why don't you, you know, you, you know, why don't you pay attention to some, pay attention to your future. Eventually this is going to be important, right? Maybe you can think of instances in your life where you wish you could go back and counsel yourself to pay more attention to your future, but you can't. What you can do is you can give yourself that advice now. At this point, where you're at in your life, you can advise yourself to pay attention to your future. Why? Because it is so important to put your whole weight behind the pursuit of the future that God has for you. Hindsight is 2020, but the capacity to move forward is not about what's in your rearview mirror. It's about what's in your windshield. It's about what you do with what's coming your way. Paul's saying, if you want the future that God wants for you, it's going to demand your full attention. Now, I, uh, I was traveling a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'd been in California for a little bit, and I was on my way home. And you know, if you're flying American, you have to fly through DFW. And so I was in Dallas and making my connecting flight. And um, you know, they have these little trains that take you from terminal building to terminal building, if you've, if you've been to DFW. And, and to get to the trains or the trams, you have to go up these really long escalators, right? And so... And I know you think I'm, I'm probably pretty chatty, right? Because you hear me speak and I just talk, you know, talk, 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 talk. You probably think that that's the way I am all the time. Um, but not when I travel, okay? I'm not verbal like my dad. You hear him say he gets on the plane, he talks to the person next to him. That's not me, right? When I'm traveling, I'm a man on a mission. I've got the earbuds in and I'm moving forward, right? That's what I do, right? 
So I was getting on the escalator, getting ready to go head over to the D terminal, make my, or uh, C terminal, make my connecting flight. And there was this guy in front of me, and he was talking to me, right? And, and so just out of, you know, what is standard politeness in the, in the iPod age, I removed one ed- headphone, because that's what you do, right? And, uh, oh, good, so you know the rules, too. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, and, and, and he, he says to me, because he, he was pointing to this guy, in between the escalators, there's a stairway. Now, again, this is a really high incline here. So this is not just like one flight of steps. This is like four flights of steps put together. And here's this guy running up the steps, just huffing and puffing. He's breaking a sweat. He's got like three carry-on bags. And the guy in front of me is like, there's always one. There's always one. Somebody got to come running up, running up the stairs. You know, he's like, this. he's probably a first-time traveler, you know. He's just one of those overachievers, you know. And I'm standing there, oh, I guess so, whatever, you know. Why don't you quit talking to me? I want to listen to my headphones, you know. And so we get up to the top of the escalator, right. And just as we get up to the top, the doors on the tram are closing. It says, please do not block the doors, you know. And as the doors are closing, through the little window hole, you see the guy with his three carry-on bags, right, safely on the tram and headed to his destination, right? So then the guy who was in front of me was like, I cannot believe this. He's like, I'm absolutely getting ready to go nuts here. I, I travel every week of my life, and I never am here before the train leaves. I always have to wait till the next train. I'm so frustrated. And I thought, good for you. Most people are not that in touch with their emotions. But, you know, that was the whole, that's the whole coaching side of me. But anyhow, in, in, in any case, uh, you know, I thought to myself, how often do I see this in myself and in others in life? We take the escalator ride in life, right? We just get on and we let it go wherever it's going to go, however fast it's going to go, wherever it's going to take us. And then we get mad when we miss the train. It's like there's, there's not that intentionality. There's not that purpose. We just sort of let it drift us upward wherever we're going to end up. And then when we realize that we have not gotten all that we wanted from our future, and we realize that we're not as far as we wanted to be, and we're not achieving the things that we want to achieve, we're like, this is not fair. But Paul says, no, there is something to intentionality in life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. In verse 26, he says, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Your, your translation may have, I'm not just throwing empty punches at the air. Paul says, you can't just take the escalator ride in life you got to run with purpose in every step. And he says, you can't just be shadow boxing. I, um, I was at a uh, conference recently for people who do what I do, counselors, um, marriage coaches, life coaches, therapists, psychologists. We were all kind of all together doing some training. And I was sitting together with uh, six or seven other professionals, and we were sitting just talking about our different ministries and what we do. And I don't remember how it started. Honestly, can't tell you. But at a moment, everything got very real in that group. And we took off our counselor hats and we took off our pastor hats and we started talking about what we were personally struggling with and what we were going through. And do you know what I found out? All of us, the whole group, all eight of us, we were shadow boxing. We were fighting the battles of the past. We were fighting shadows of the past that were already gone. They were already done with. But we were still there intensely fighting, almost like fighting for our lives against shadows where the, the, the battle has already been played out and there is no potential for victory. We're fighting yesterday's battles. And I don't know if that speaks to you, but it's huge in my life because I was thinking about how many days have I wasted throwing empty punches at shadows instead of taking the fight where it belongs to my future. 
Maybe you understand that. Maybe you've been intensely taking the fight to that desire to be approved of by someone that this is a past thing and it's not going to change and you're not going to be able to get victory over it, right? Or, or, or you've been fighting to just somehow undo the pain of the past that you've experienced. Somebody really hurt you. They did something really terrible and you've been just fighting with everything you've got to somehow make it not be what it was, but it is what it was and you're fighting the past and you haven't been able to take the fight to the future. Paul says, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm running with purpose in every step. If I'm going to strain, if I'm going to stretch, if I'm going to work hard, it's not going to be to fix something that's unfixable in the past. It's going to be to do something that God has for me in my future. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and remain faithful. And we could just as easily translate that. I have fought the real fight. I have fought the important fight. My question to you is, are you fighting in your life the real fight? Or are you fighting the shadows? Are you fighting the important fight? Or are you throwing empty punches against something that you'll never get victory over? Paul says enough of that. If I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight something real. So what do you fight for? And this is the third realization will be done. The third realization is this. Through God, my potential is limitless. That's what you're fighting for. There is, you have no idea what you are capable of. I, I can tell you, I, I can speak to every single person in this room, and I can tell you with absolute certainty, you don't know what you're capable of, right? That's what you're fighting for. What do you fight for? You fight for that. You fight to get every square inch of what God knows you can do that you do not yet know that you can do. You fight to get all the territory that God will give you. And I want to give you this, this passage out of Ephesians 3, verse 20. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty work, that's the forward force at work within us to accomplish, what are the next two words? To accomplish what? Infinitely more. Two very important words stacked up against each other. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. All right, what we might ask or think, that is our infinite, right? The Bible's saying go as far as you can in what you might want to ask or think for. That's your infinite. But look at what the Bible says. The Bible says God can do infinitely, that's God's version of infinite, more than your version of infinite. That is infinite squared if there ever was. That's God saying infinite on top of infinite. That's what God has in you that he can do through you. But the question is, are you going to focus on the past which cannot be changed? Or are you going to fight for what God says you can do that you don't even know yet that you can do? God is saying you have that potential. The God who created the Grand Canyon, who hung the stars in the sky, the God that creates new life, who doesn't need anything to build with. He just creates. That God is within you, and he wants to do something incredible. So. I want to answer a question for somebody who might be in this room who say, but Jonathan, I appreciate what you've said. Everything makes sense to me. It's all wonderful. But the problem is I've been through too much. You talk about hurting in the past, Jonathan. You have no idea what I've been through in the past. You talk about fighting shadows. You don't know how big the shadows are in my life. You don't know how bad I've been burned. And so you talk about straining with everything you've got. You talk about stretching the muscles as far as they'll stretch. I got nothing left. I'm absolutely tapped. I want to tell you this story quickly, and I don't have time to really flesh it out, but in the Bible there's a story of a man named Gideon. And God's people were just being pummeled by these other forces. And Gideon was trying to do the best thing that he could. He was trying to take care of his family, provide for his family. He was threshing wheat, providing food. But the way you thresh wheat is you find a high spot, and you thresh wheat so that the wind can come by and blow away all the junk so that you have the grain left. But Gideon was so scared 
that people were going to come and take him, that he was going to be attacked, that his family would be attacked, that he found a wine press where he could hide down in a valley, right, and thresh wheat, which was very counterproductive, but he was that scared. He was that burned. He was that hurt. He was that discouraged. And in the middle of all of that, God finds Gideon and says, hey, man, I got a job for you to do. He calls him a mighty man of valor. <laughs> Gideon is just blown away by that. Why? You found me hiding out, you know. You, you found me hiding from the enemy, and you call me a mighty man of valor. God has a purpose for Gideon. But what, this is what Gideon says, and this is, this is why I brought this into this part of the talk. Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us. Do you hear the cynicism in that? If, if the Lord is really with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Here's what I think is awesome. If you're right now in that position where you're going, I don't understand why I've had to go through all this. I'm burned. I have no energy left. I have no strength left. I can't take anything to the battle because I got nothing left. Here's where, that is where Gideon was. Gideon is saying, if you're really going to do something with us, why are we here? Why have we gone through all these things? We have nothing to offer. We can't take the battle to the fields because we've been decimated. If, if God is really going to do something with us, then, then what about where we're at right now? And here's what's so cool. God does exactly what we've been talking about this whole talk. He says, wait a minute, Gideon, look, you're looking that direction. And he grabs Gideon by the shoulders and he turns him around and says, go. Future, not past, future, go. But then this is what he says, and I love this, I love this. He says, go with the strength you have. Go with the strength you have. So here's where I'm at. I'm asking you today, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've gone through, no matter who's hurt you, no matter the pain that you've been through, I want to grab you by the shoulders and turn you around. No matter how hard the past is, no matter how difficult what you've lived through is, I want to grab you by the shoulders and turn you around and say, God has called you to go in the strength that you have. Take whatever God has given you, whatever strength, whatever reserves of energy God has placed in you, whatever is left, go in the strength you have. Why? Because God says at the end of this passage, I'm sending you. Read that, I am with you. I will make the trip with you. God has said, you've got all this potential, infinite squared. You've got all this stuff out there that you can do. And God says, don't look at the past, look at the future. And when you don't have enough strength to walk by yourself, God says, I'm sending you, go with what you've got. And if you do that, you won't be stuck anymore. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you love us and that you don't want us to be stuck. Thank you for the fact that you've prepared a future for us, a future of success. And that, Father, our future with you truly is infinite. Thank you that you love us that much. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. If you're in this room and you'd say, you know what, Jonathan, this whole morning has been kind of crazy because I saw people go public with their faith and I heard you talk about how God wants to take this journey with me. He wants to open up a future for me. He wants good things for me and yet I don't have a relationship with God. I'm missing that element, but I want that. If you're in this room and you want that relationship with God, I'm gonna say the words to a very simple prayer. And if this prayer reflects what's going on in your heart, you can say this silently to God and if you do, it will be settled once and for all. Ready, here we go. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I know I've done wrong things. And I know I can't get to heaven on my own. Today I accept your free gift of heaven and forgiveness. 
I believe in you, Jesus. Now, would everybody look this way just for a moment? I know everybody's in a hurry to get out, but if you just prayed that prayer, I want to let you know how excited we are for you. You got that talk to us card when you came in. You can fill out your information on that. Check the box, I prayed to receive Christ. You can take it back to guest services out in the foyer or back by the coffee shop. We have a special gift we want to give you. It has a DVD in there and a booklet my dad wrote about what it means to believe. And we just want to give that to you as a free gift. Thank you so much for being here this week, and I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday.